I'm Marnie Vinge, and this is Erioki. Join me and my friends as we explore the darker side of the Sooner State. Thank you. Okay. All right. I'm Marnie Vinge, and this is Irioki. And this feels really, really weird to be sitting across the table from someone. Um, my mom and I have been trying to record this several times now, and I just keep messing up because it's weird. I've been doing all the episodes over the phone since end of February, early March. Yeah. yeah. So Quite it's it's really, really weird. Like even though it's you who I see all the time, like it's just it's it feels the energy is a little different. Like it's I'm trying to get back into it, but yeah. So, you know, I'm not really a scary guest. (laughs) No, you're backed by popular demand because people, yeah, I can't remember what it was. Um, There was something that I mentioned, maybe it was when it was your birthday. Somebody said that you needed an episode just devoted to you. Oh, me. Yes. Yeah. So here you go, audience. You you asked and I delivered. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, we are here tonight to talk about something kind of spooky, kind of fun, kind of scientific, and kind of psychological. Um, we're here to talk about Ouija boards. So you excited? Ooh, yeah. Did you ever play with a Ouija board as a kid? Oh, I did. I uh, did. Tell me about it. Well, let's see. Would have been uh, junior high age when we first discovered one. And that would be your aunt that I was... So that would have been like mid-60s, right? That, that yeah. only becomes yes. important because of something, yes. you know, what we're going to talk about, like, as we progress along the history of the Ouija board. So there wasn't really a bad idea about the Ouija board at that time, no, was there? not at all. Yeah. It, it honestly, people, people don't think about that at all today, but, you know, it was, it was a game. It was, yeah. it was entertainment. Yeah. It, that's what it was. It was entertainment. And, you know, we would we would sit down and we would have our hands on that. And each person would be swearing, I'm not moving it. I'm not moving it. And it would be going over here, going over oh, yeah. to the yes, going to the no, spelling something out. And, you know, you're just amazed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a spirit from the beyond Ooh. behind the veil. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And if you guys can hear that, like, breathing Oh my god, she stopped. Like when I when I said that, she stopped. It's, She's it's, not talking about me. Yeah, exactly. I'm not talking about my mom. I'm talking about her dog who is sitting on the couch next to her, and she's like, you know, going to town, breathing really hard because Maggie gets really hot really easily, which I understand because I'm a little bit fluffy too, Maggie. <laughs> so, and we are about to be in summertime in Oklahoma, and it's going to be awful. But. Um, oh, love summer. Don't love. I love it when it's like a certain degree of heat. But not like the kind of heat where you just feel like you're going to drop dead. So what you're saying is you you love those two days in May yes. that we get every year in Oklahoma. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's perfect weather. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> like today was really nice when I was out like driving around. But yeah. Um, so anyway, Ouija boards. That's what we're talking about. Um, and the first thing I want to do is credit the source that we're using. Um, this is a great like for anything that you want to look at the SmithsonianMagazine.com. They had a great article. I believe it's from 2013. Is that what it says? Yes. Um, about the Ouija boards. I think it was around maybe around Halloween time that they did it, which I think it's always fun when big time places like the Smithsonian or something do an article about, you know, Christmas monsters or the Ouija board or Halloween, anything like that. I think it's super fun. 
but yeah, so that is, uh, that's what we're going to be talking about. I also tried to con my mom into doing a Ouija board session on this episode and she's giving me this look right now that's like, oh, hell no. <laughs> like, we are not doing that. So she she decided that, well, yeah, she made the executive decision for both of us that that was not a good idea. Seeing as how we're living in a global pandemic, like, maybe just not tempt fate. Like, you know? You know, I'm, I'm figuring in this particular case, whichever side you fall on, if you're a real skeptic or you think there could be something, you know, it's kind of like... I don't think this is the time to tempt faith. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I And I agree. I agree. But yeah, like I, I do want to do that eventually. I think that would be fun because um, I'm very skeptical about the Ouija board, you know, kind of. I, I've played with them and stuff like that, but I've never had an experience where it was just like, oh, wow, that definitely was a spirit or a demon or a ghost or whatever. You know, it's kind of. Um, well, and we'll get to that, like what they theorize is the way that it works and stuff. It's not really theory. I mean, I think it's true, but it's interesting. So, um, so yeah. Uh, so in order to talk about Ouija boards or talking boards, as they were originally called, we need to get in the time machine and talk about American spiritualism. Um, that great period of time characterized by table wrapping parties, ectoplasm and Harry Houdini, uh, just wanting to prove to the entire world that everyone's a charlatan who does this and they're taking advantage of grieving people, um, which I think was a really commendable thing for him to do because I think there was a lot of that, you know, a lot of that going on for sure. Definitely. And I think a lot of it still goes on today. Absolutely. Yeah, because I mean, what do you want more if you're grieving than to talk to that person? And if someone can even like give you a semblance of that, even if you don't fully believe, like, that feels so good and, you know, it's just, it's sad. You you want to know that they're okay and you want to know that you're going to be okay. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, and I think there are a lot of them out there that are not, not good, um, but there are some that are good. As I talked about on the podcast with Gavin uh, last Sunday, I believe it was, I was on the Paranormal Chronicles and I told a story. I can tell it again at the end of this episode, but it was basically my encounter with a psychic who I believe to be a charlatan who turned out not to be. <laughs> so anyway, I'll tell that at the end of the episode. Remind me about that. But okay. anyway, so um, spiritualism was popular in Europe before it was popular in America. Um, and I think that the time, a few things had to like happen. What is that word? Like a confluence of events kind of like the Civil War was happening um, and people were not living very long at that time. They were living to about 50 years of age. So it would not be uncommon for a widow to be very young. Like, you know, you've got some life ahead of you. You've lost your husband in the Civil War um, or, you know, any various scenario like that. Probably everyone knew a lot of dead people. You know, everyone had lost significant people in their lives. And I think that that combined with like the uncertainty of everything, you know, like the country had just been at war with itself. Um, and I think we can kind of relate to that on the level that we're living through uncertain times. And so that's kind of where they were at when spiritualism really got a hold of America. Um, so there were two sisters in upstate New York, the Fox sisters, who I've heard about, um, like, peripherally like not ever any in-depth research i've heard their names mentioned uh on various things about american spiritualism but not not a whole lot else um so anyway 
they got really famous. They were doing table wrapping parties where like they would be the entertainment. They would um, host or not host, but they would come to the party and people would be like, okay, we want to talk to our dead people. And they'd be like, okay, we're going to wrap on this table. And well, they didn't say that they were like the ghosts are going to wrap on this table. And, you know, so a whole thing, it was a whole industry. Lots of people were making money doing this, that sort of thing. Um, so something that was super interesting, this is a direct quote from Smithsonian Magazine. Aided by the stories about the celebrity sisters and other spiritualists in the new national press, spiritualism reached millions of adherents at its peak in the second half of the 19th century. Spiritualism worked for Americans. It was compatible with Christian dogma, meaning one could hold a seance on Saturday night and have no qualms about going to church the next day. It was an acceptable, even wholesome activity to contact spirits at seances through automatic writing or table turning parties in which participants would place their hands on a small table and watch it begin to shake and rattle while they all declared that they weren't moving it. That's one of the most fascinating things to me is that it was in line with Christian dogma. Absolutely. I was, I was very surprised by that. I didn't remember that Mm -hmm. about spiritualism or having, you know, at any rate, I mean, it was just surprising to me because I didn't expect it to be yeah. that way. I mean, because you're looking at a time period like uh, like kind of the Victorian repressed kind of Coming off stuff. of that into yeah. the, I mean, it went, went well into the Roaring Twenties, you mm-hmm. know, that kind of yeah. thing too. So. Yeah. Um, another thing they highlight in the article is that there was an 1886 article um, in the Associated Press, which I thought that was crazy that that existed in 1886, but it did. Apparently it was like very, very new at that time. Um, it was one of the, oh, can you hear that plane? Yeah, there's a plane. Um, so anyway, uh, there was an 1886 article, Associated Press, um, And it's about the first appearances of the Ouija or talking board at these parlor parties where mediums claim to contact the deceased loved ones of the host and attendees. So that's kind of interesting because some of the mediums and stuff were very against the talking board getting patented and getting sold because they felt like it basically eliminated the need for them. They're like, you know, you don't need a middleman anymore. Like, you can do it yourself. Hey, what kind of deal is this where you can talk to the spirits? (laughs) Exactly, yeah. Yeah, and so right around that time when they were starting to gain traction within these circles, this was when the Kennard Novelty Company started producing and selling Ouija boards for fun and profit. So they were selling them kind of like, this is a toy, but it's also for contacting dead people. It was kind of an interesting, like, it was mystical, but it was a toy, pretty much. Yes, definitely. Yeah. They were there were advertisements mm-hmm. about, you know, from this toy company that, you know, you could have this new game and Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a Ouija researcher named Robert Murch. It's either Murch or Merck, I'm not sure. Um, but he says that the name I always thought that it was because it was like yes, yes. Like, we, y'all, kind of. Okay, so he said that is not true. Um, That is what most people believe is how the board got its name. But apparently, okay, so Kennard, um, the guy who had the novelty company, he got, like, four other investors to be like, okay, we're going to back you on this, and we're going to produce these boards in mass and sell them. And one of them was a lawyer. He happened to have a sister-in-law who, surprise, surprise, was a medium. And (laughs) so she had like this medium, open your third eye kind of spiritual experience and asked the board what it wanted to be called. And the board said Ouija. So 
or Ouija, however you want to say it. Um, there you have it. So, okay. So this part's really interesting. Um, when, so the, to sell it, they had to patent it and to get a patent, you have to prove that something works. So these two guys, it was, um, Kennard and I'm not sure who the other guy was with him, but they went to the patent office and they're like, we're going to get a patent for this Ouija board and we're going to start selling it. And so the guy at the patent office is like, okay, sure, whatever. And they engage in a Ouija board session with this patent officer. And by the time it's over, he is pale faced like sweating just like completely horrified and they have a patent in their hand (laughs) so um people didn't really know how they worked but and the patent doesn't say how it works it just says that it does so i thought that was really interesting it was then supposedly that episode the ouija board told his name which yes theoretically they didn't they shouldn't have known yeah yeah which they didn't have google so i mean maybe (laughs) it was a little harder to find out but i mean still i'm a little skeptical about it but i can see how it would unnerve the guy like i can see how he'd be like okay this is and i think there probably was a part of him that was just like okay this is really weird and i just want these people out of my office like this is beyond bizarre the faster i give you this patent the faster you'll be gone exactly (laughs) the less i have to deal with you um so anyway, one of the things that we talked about a little while back is that um, Ouija boards often become, they gain popularity kind of in cycles. They, um, and it's always in uncertain times that the sales go up for Ouija boards, which I thought was really kind of interesting, but it Me makes too. sense. I mean, it makes perfect, perfect sense. Um, so in 1958, a Connecticut court, this is a fun fact, a Connecticut court decided not to honor the Ouija board will of Miss Helen Dow Peck, who left only $1,000 to two former servants and an insane $152,000 to Mr. John Gale Forbes, a lucky but bodiless spirit who'd contacted her via the Ouija board. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cue the Twilight <laughs> Zone music. About, oh, wow. That's too funny. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Imagine. Very oh, God. interesting facts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, back to what I was saying, like, um, you know, when you were a kid, it was not a bad thing. When I was a kid, it was a real bad thing. So, um, and that's only separated by, you know, about 30 years, 34 years or something. So, what happened was... 1973 came and the exorcist came out and in that movie if you're not familiar with it i'm pretty sure the ghost she talks to is named mr howdy is that right i don't remember the ghost name okay but they talked to it on a ouija board reagan actually does the or regan i don't remember Mm -hmm. reagan i think reagan Mm -hmm. i think she actually talks to the Ouija board. I mean, plays with the Ouija board by herself. Yes. Yeah. Which is when I was growing up, there was this whole thing. You never play with a Ouija board by yourself. And that's why. And that's why. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, and so when the exorcist happened, this sort of caused like this media firestorm about Ouija boards. And, you know, shockingly, Pat Robertson got on board and he, you know, started telling people that they were evil and all of that, you know, stuff so in one of the the guy merch that we were talking about earlier the ouija researcher he said um it's kind of like psycho no one was afraid of showers until the scene it's a clear line 
And um, he was explaining that before The Exorcist, film and TV depictions of the Ouija board were usually jokey, hokey, and silly. There was an I Love Lucy episode where she and Ethel played with a Ouija board. Um, There was also, this shocked me, Norman Rockwell painted a picture of a man and woman playing with Ouija boards. It was on the front of the Saturday Night Post. Exactly. Yeah. And it was it was not depicted in a, oh, this is bad. It was like, hey, they're having fun. Like, this is a fun thing to do. Norman Rockwell, his pictures were Americana. Yeah, exactly. You know, the, the ideal white picket fence <laughs> yeah. life. Yes. So, yeah. So that really shocked is, me. I, I was really shocked by that. And I think it's kind of weird how we never talk about the fact that, like, Ouija boards were not a big deal until The Exorcist. Like, they were not a bad thing. I will be honest with you. I did not remember that that's the turning point. For mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, like, I mean, to the guy who wrote that, William Peter Blatty, I think, wrote that. And I don't know if it's in the book, but, I mean, good on him for realizing that he could definitely use that as a story tool. Because, I mean, Hollywood has not put it down since. I mean, Ouija boards are never portrayed in a nice light on anything. No. Yeah, so. It's always opening a portal (laughs) yes so this is what this was the direct quote from the article where they're talking about pat roberts and all that okay almost overnight we do became a tool of the devil and for that reason a tool of horror writers and movie makers it began popping up in scary movies usually opening the door to evil spirits hellbent on ripping apart co-eds um which is you know everybody's favorite kind of horror movie uh outside of the theater the following years saw the ouija board denounced by religious groups as satan's preferred method of communication which i mean makes sense because we're coming up on the satanic panic and all this um in 2001 in alamogordo new mexico it was being burned on bonfires along with copies of harry potter and disney's snow white that's crazy it's really crazy yeah um maggie are you being vocal are you trying to get on the podcast are you trying to fill oscar's shoes (laughs) he never barked Yeah, she says, oh, I don't like this. Um, so anyway, uh, they were burning the copies of the books. Um, Christian religious groups still remain wary of the board, citing scripture denouncing communicating with spirits through mediums. Catholic.com calls the Ouija board, quote, far from harmless. And as recently as 2011, 700 Club host Pat Robertson declared that demons can reach us through the board. Even within the paranormal community, Ouija boards have enjoyed a dodgy reputation. Merch says that when he first began speaking at paranormal conventions, he was told to leave his antique boards at home because they scared people too much. Uh, Parker Brothers and later Hasbro, after they acquired Parker Brothers in 1991, still sold hundreds of thousands of them. uh, But the reasons why people were buying them had changed significantly. Ouija boards were spooky rather than spiritual with a distinct frisson of danger. Which I think is kind of, that's exactly how it was when I bought my first Ouija board. Like, I believe it was me and Whitney in Walmart late at night, you know. Ooh, this is going to be scary. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is something we probably shouldn't Shouldn't be doing. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Which I think it falls in line with all of the legend tripping that you do as a teenager. You know, it's like, yeah, let's, you know, let's have a little sympathy for the devil, that kind of thing. Something that I thought was interesting about the idea that, you know, I mean, when it was denounced by the different faiths and that kind Mm -hmm. of thing, it was sort of like, but 
I mean, I, I, I've got to check this. Okay. I would have to look at the history of, you know, demonic possession mm-hmm. or whatever. Surely it was before the Ouija board was invented. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they there. had a way to get there. I oh, mean, yeah, you know, yeah. Didn't really, I can't quite imagine the devil wanting to push that little planchet around. <laughs> I know, yeah. Okay, so that, yeah. Like, for them to say that it's his preferred method of communication, like, it's kind of like... Like, I will, I would prefer that you text message me rather than call me. Like, you know, it's just very, like, I'm strange. He's just going to go straight for one of those god awful scary voices. He's not going to mess around with, right? Yeah, with like all of that tedious, you know, I saw he's not going to be going text, 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 text. Yeah, the devil is furiously typing out a message to you on the Ouija board. Yeah, I, I just can't. I, I just can't get with that. But um, so anyway, you know, Ouija boards for me growing up, there was a thing you didn't mess with. But of course, I messed with it because I was a weird little kid and all that. Um, and so this brings us to how do they work? So like people, um, you know, the guy in the patent office, he very much looked like he thought that was probably a ghost or a demon, you know, that did that, that moved that. But um one of the things, this is what science and psychology say. These boards work because of the idiomotor effect, which is basically your body makes these very small, almost unobservable movements without your control. One of the examples it gave, which I thought was a kind of a weird example, but it's an instance of like you reacting to a stimulus, your body doing something involuntary, which is crying at a sad movie. You know, it's kind of like you don't sit there and think, oh, this is sad, I should cry, unless you're a psychopath, (laughs) you know, you're trying to, like, emulate, like, human emotion. But, yeah, but I mean, you, you know, you, you see, like, a commercial that tugs at your heartstrings and you cry, like, that sort of thing. Yes, it happens to some people. (laughs) It does, it does happen to some people, you mainly. (laughs) But, um, so anyway, uh, and because of that, because it's so, like, infinitesimal the movements and like it's involuntary and it's subconscious we don't realize that we're moving it but we are and the cool thing about that is psychologists have kind of used this as like a research tool it reminds me of tarot because it's like you are subconsciously aware of these things and so you look at the cards and then it brings that to your conscious mind that's kind of what it reminds me of because in these psychological experiments they sort of did similar things but with the ouija board and the participants got very freaked out but you know the there were controls on it and all this stuff it's really really interesting stuff um so anyway along these lines here's a quote from the article from smithsonian ubc's experiments show that the ouija could very be a very useful tool in rigorously investigating non-conscious thought processes now that we have some hypotheses in terms of what's going on here accessing knowledge and cognitive abilities that you don't have conscious awareness of the ouija board would be an instrument to actually get at that um fells explains now we can start using it to ask other types of questions So those types of questions include how much and what the non-conscious mind knows, how fast it can learn, how it remembers, even how it amuses itself, if it does. This opens up even more avenues of exploration. For example, if there are two two or more systems of information processes, which system is more impacted by neurodegenerative diseases such as Alzheimer's? If if it impacted the non-conscious earlier, Rensink hypothesizes 
Indications of the illness could show up in Ouija manipulation, possibly even before being detected in conscious thought. They're thinking they can tell by a person playing with a Ouija board if they are going to have Alzheimer's. Just why? That's amazing. Yes. Okay, so a few weeks ago, I was online and I had this article pop up um, on my phone. I don't even know how I found it. I think I told you about it. Um, About the woman who could smell Parkinson's. Yes. Okay, so that's what that reminds me of. If you guys have not seen that article, you need to go look it up. It's wild. This woman, um, she was married to a gentleman, and one day he came home, and I think he was a doctor, wasn't he? I I don't don't remember. But anyway, he came home, and she said he smelled different that day. And from that day forward, he just smelled different to her. She, to the point that she was, like, washing his clothes and different stuff, like, trying to get this smell out and she just couldn't and so they fought about it because the guy's like I smell exactly like I did when you married me like all of this stuff so years later he was diagnosed I believe with Parkinson's and it turned out that that smell was the onset of the disease like years before it actually impacted his motor abilities or anything like that and she ended up like um doing some tests where she sniffed people's clothing and she was able to tell them with accuracy who had Parkinson's and who did not without seeing the individuals. Which is, to me, it's truly amazing from an individual. Mm-hmm. I've heard of dogs being able to sniff yeah. different diseases. Mm-hmm. In fact, right now they are even doing some studies trying to get dogs to be able to sniff COVID-19. That's amazing. Oh, Isn't my God. That crazy? Dogs are so cool. Yeah. But but that a woman, you know, could smell that disease in her mm-hmm. husband. That's just so It's crazy. Yeah. I like and I read it and I shared it with somebody and they and they were like, "I this is crazy. Like this is just so weird." And I I'm like, "Yeah, I know. That's why I shared it. I like to share weird things." But yeah. So, um Anyway, so here's a follow-up quote from an article on Vox uh, about the Ouija boards and all this research. Over the years, research has determined that the idiomotor effect is closely tied to subconscious awareness and that its effect is maximized when the subject believes he has no control over his movements. Paradoxically, the less control you think you have, the more control your subconscious mind is actually exerting. That's neat. Yeah, so like, I, I don't know. I mean, Ouija boards, they're interesting you know, I, I think that I don't know what's going on with them. I would have to play with one as an adult to like see what I think, whatever. But anyway, so that brings us to where this ties into Oklahoma. So did you know that there was a crime committed in Oklahoma as a result of a Ouija board session? I had no idea. Okay. So, um, there was a young man, he was about 34, I believe, who was murdered by his mother-in-law. Um, and basically, the first I ever heard of this was on last podcast on the left. They featured a little in their Ouija episode. Um, but anyway, like in Minko, Oklahoma, a woman named Carol Sue L. Baker was playing with a Ouija board with her daughter and grandchildren inside her daughter and son-in-law's home. And the son-in-law was sleeping. He also happened to be um, former mayor of Minko. His name was uh, Brian Roach, I believe. Make sure of that. Brian Roach. Um, So anyway, while he was sleeping, they had played with the Ouija board. And then Carol, this part was weird to me. No one in her life could come up with any examples of mental illness or drug use or anything like that prior to this event in her life. And she just kind of like snapped, 
stabbed him. Then she and her daughter and the kids left the house. Yeah, so her daughter ended up being charged as like an accessory to murder and all this. However, anyway, they left the house. She tried. They left the house. She tried to kill the 10-year-old child also because she thought they were evil. The board had told her they were evil too. And she tried to push the 15-year-old into traffic because she they got in the car and she wrecked it like on the highway north of Tulsa or something like that. And she wrecked it. After the accident, she tried to push the 15-year-old into traffic. So she basically attempted to kill the two children, managed to kill her son-in-law. But yeah, she, the district attorney, like, I was reading some quotes from him, like, from when she very first got arrested. And, like, right off the bat, he was just like, this is just her justifying killing her son-in-law. Like, that is all this is. She was not, you know, whatever. But by the time, this was the district attorney also, I would like to add. By the time that her trial came up that September, it happened in February, I believe, of 2001. And that September, the DA was like, our expert determined she was insane. Like, she was out of her mind. And that was the district attorney's expert. And so she actually got off with an insanity plea. Um, yeah, which like that, I mean, I know of like zero cases where someone really needs to be using the insanity plea. Like, can you think of any like off the top of your head? Yeah. I mean, because my, my whole thing about that is I'm always, anytime I hear, you know, they're throwing out the insanity plea or whatever, I always immediately I roll my eyes because I'm like the chances of it being real Because, like, I've talked to, I think Laura and I have talked about this, about how, like, for it to be, for you to plead insane, like, you have to really have not known right from wrong at the moment of that crime. And I think the instances of that being true are so small. Like, that rarely is the case. But this, I don't know, this is just, like, and I think she ended up in an institute or something like that, which I feel like is a good thing. Um... The insanity plea, I think it comes across as it's their only way out. I yeah, mean, you know, you exactly. Do, it, it's hard to take it oh, seriously. Oh, it is, yeah. But in this case... I mean, this is... Mm. I feel like this... I feel like the, the fact that she had not ever done anything before this to make people think... She tried to kill her grandchildren. Right. I mean, it's not that right. that has never happened, but... And it's, it's also weird for them to have gone from playing a game to murder happening. That, I don't know, it's just very, it's a very weird, weird thing. But yeah, um, I, <laughs> Maggie is crawling around on the floor right now and she doesn't know what to do with herself because there are microphone cords everywhere. The dogs have been so bad, so bad. Oscar is embarrassed by you guys. Oh my gosh. Ah, Mrs. Tap Dancing. I do too. I do too. So, do you have anything else about Ouija boards? Oh, I was I was really surprised. One of the things that I came across was that today, even you know, psychologists believe that it offers a link between the known and unknown. I mean, you know that they didn't just. You know, yeah. my, I think the attitude is just kind of to poo-poo it away. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, whatever. This is crazy. Yeah. This is not real or this is, you know, whatever. But 
it was a really good article because it covered it 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 took in here's the scary side and here's mm-hmm. where maybe that came from and here's why you know why it was so widely accepted and it yeah. was just it it covered a lot of bases and there was a lot more to it than I realized. Yeah. I think the craziest part to me is that just the fact that the exorcist could completely change culturally how we look at Ouija boards. Well, there's another movie from about that time. Okay. Think about Jaws. That is true. And when the sequel came out, mm-hmm. the tagline was just when, just you, when thought you thought it was, it was safe, safe to go, go back, back in, in the, the water. water. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And 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 the, that comment that you made about Psycho. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah, everybody who thinks about that, if you think about being murdered in the shower, you think about that because of Psycho. Absolutely. Whether you've seen it or not, you have been influenced by it by popular culture. Who can look down at the shower drain? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, it's just, it's very, it, it is interesting how a film or a book or anything like that can become so iconic within our culture that we hold on to it even without, for people who haven't even seen those movies still know the psycho theme like you know that like you know what that is if you hear it like you immediately know that it means someone's stabbing you like (laughs) and that dun 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 dun. oh yeah you know sharks coming (laughs) there's a shark shark coming like you know well okay one thing that to me is kind of interesting because for you you have lived through the time when Oh my gosh, the special effects and mm-hmm. oh, there've been all these scary movies and everything. And I kind of remember The Exorcist as being so shocking, mm-hmm. so shocking at how scary and horrible yeah. and the special effects and everything. <laughs> and you know what? Your daddy and I had been just married for 2 months. And he left town on a two-week trip after taking me on Saturday night to see The Exorcist. He left Sunday morning. And I thought, oh, ain't no way I'm staying here after that. Did you go to Grandma and Grandpa's? Oh, my God. That's amazing. I went down there and spent the night because I just thought, oh. And didn't you guys in that apartment, didn't you have kind of like a... Something that looked like something from the movie. It didn't. It didn't look like anything from the movie. But we had a, a you know, a condo, and on the mm-hmm. second floor, there was, you know, one of those crawl spaces oh, into yeah. the attic. Yeah. And it was kind of like, Ugh. I don't know why, but I was obsessed with that. Yeah. Over that movie, yeah. I don't know why. Oh my gosh, that's anyway, so funny. It. But my point is, there probably hadn't been such. You know, I don't know. I I think it kind of turned the corner for horrible movies, or not horrible movies. I mean, for horrifying things being yeah. portrayed in a movie. And oh yeah. So anyway, I can see how it scared people so much, mm-hmm. and it, it it is amazing how a movie can have such a cultural effect. Oh yeah, it's crazy, yeah. crazy, crazy, but. I guess that's that's about all I've got about Ouija boards. So thank you for being here. Thank you very much for having me. Of course. I'm really glad that you attempted this several times with me since I was not on my game. 
But anyway, um, so one of the things I wanted to announce, um, I'm doing flash fiction on Patreon and I've been working really hard on this. I've been trying to make it cool, trying to come up with a nice presentation for it. So it's actually in video format now with audio and like visual and all that. Um, I'm going to be posting two every Friday. One is free and one is for patrons only. So if you're on Patreon, look for that. That's coming out uh, today when this goes live. Um, Also, I am still looking for stories from you guys, like uh, your ghost stories, your UFO stories, your Bigfoot cryptid, any kind of stories. They can be like, let's not meet type stories. Um, And I want you guys to record those like in a voice memo and email it to me. Maggie is really not happy right now. Um, Email it to me at iriokipodcast at gmail.com. I want to compile those into like a... Um, an episode or two episodes of just listener stories, that sort of stuff. Um, and like I said, I was on the Paranormal Chronicles. Um, uh, oh, I forgot to tell the story. So I told this story on the Paranormal Chronicles. It's one I've never told you guys. Um, and it's one of the only paranormal experiences I've ever had in my life, I would say. I've had a few, but you know, this was probably a big one. This was a pretty big one. Okay. So back in, um, this would have been. 2005 I think it was that summer maybe because my grandmother had died my mom's mom and she asked me you know do you want to go to the spirit fair in Oklahoma City and if you guys aren't familiar with the spirit fair um it's sort of like the affair of the heart but for spooky people (laughs) like um and by spooky I mean like psychics and And tarot readers a whole lot smaller (laughs) a whole lot smaller smaller yeah and they're selling crystals and books and tarot cards and all kinds of stuff so if you're into that it's a fun thing to go and see um but anyway this was the first time we'd ever been i didn't really know what to expect i was kind of expecting people like dressed up like fortune tellers that you've seen in tv and movies and stuff like that anyway we get in there and there is this guy sitting at the end of this row of tables. Like all the psychics are in the middle of the room. People are getting readings. People are lined up and they're all dressed in, you know, the garb that you associate with that sort of stuff. Kind of looking a little over the top, that sort of thing. And anyway, there's this guy sitting there in like a polo and khakis. I don't know what he was wearing, but it was very like non, like not sticking out like a sore thumb, but he kind of did because he was the only one not dressed like a psychic basically. Um, so he's sitting there nobody's in line for his table. And I'm like, okay, let's go to this guy. Cause we can get this over with and we can get out of here and we'll be done. And we can go home. And so anyway, we go up and I get the reading. My mom stands behind me and he starts talking about my grandma had just passed, which I'm like, okay, you know, he's getting a lot of stuff, right. But a lot of people have dead grandmothers, you know, that's kind of a thing that you can agree. Like if you're trying to pretend to be a psychic that's a pretty safe guess pretty good guess exactly yeah yeah. so um but he gets a lot of stuff right about her that i feel is you know pretty pretty spot on so i'm you know i'm going with it i'm like okay this is pretty cool then he says some stuff about my cousin being at the in the hospital at the time and gave some very specific information that ended up you know being something that my mom had just found out like that afternoon or something it was very specific kind of crazy and anyway which my cousin who was in the hospital, he recovered just fine. Um, but anyway, so then he starts talking about my dad and he's like, and this was when my dad was still alive. And he's like, you know, you, you might want to like, I don't remember if he said make peace with your dad or how he phrased it, but he said some stuff that was kind of ominous. And then he was like, so it's you and one other child, right? And I'm like, no, it's me. I'm an only child. I've been raised an only child my whole life. And he's like, um, okay, but there's another child. And I'm like, 
no, there's not. And he and I go back and forth, like, for a minute or so, like, about who this could possibly be, because I have been raised as an only child and everything. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, this guy is so full of it. And he will not let this go. Like, I'm like, dude, just drop it. You were wrong. It's okay. Like, this is entertainment. It's fine. Um, And so anyway, finally, he, you know, he, we end the session. He never gives in. Like, he never says, okay, you're right. He just keeps on about how I have a sibling. And so, you know, I look at my mom and I'm like, well, that was a bunch of crap. (laughs) Like, that sucked. And anyway, we go back or I didn't think it sucked like I I liked the stuff he said about you know grandma and everything but I was like you know it kind of put me off that he was wrong about something that big well fast forward to about a year and a half later my dad dies and my mom and I are looking through old photo albums and I come across a picture of a girl who is very obviously standing in our bathroom at our old house and I'm like okay, that's weird because this girl looks pretty young and she, I've never seen her before and she's standing in that bathroom. And lo and behold, um, my mom looks at me and she says, well, there was something your daddy was meaning to tell you. And I just want to say, go on record, that is not a phrase you ever want to hear. Not not in the best of times. I mean, not in the best of times. Do you ever want to hear someone say, well, there's something that your dad was meaning to tell you. Like, unless it's that he's leaving you $20 million, I don't think you want to hear that. But anyway, so it turned out my dad was married before and that was his daughter. So that was kind of a, um, like, I immediately thought about the psychic. Did you think about that when that happened? I honestly can't remember. Yeah, it was crazy, though. It was it, it sort of like I was like, wow, he really was for real. And that guy, it turned out um, he has actually worked with the FBI. And now he works. The last time I checked up on him, he was working in either Washington or Oregon and helping hospice patients cross over, which I think is such a cool like thing for him to be doing and everything. But my point in that is I think there are a lot of fakes out there, but I think there maybe for like every hundred that say they really are, there might be like one that's like him, like that's for real. But yeah, so if you're going to get a psychic reading, proceed with caution and <laughs> proceed with skepticism. <laughs> but yeah, so anyway, I was on the Paranormal Chronicles. Um, that story's on there. There's another story that I haven't told on the podcast that's on there if you want to go look it up. Um, and I was on Miscellaneous Important Stuff this last weekend. That episode should be coming out pretty soon. Jay and I talked about fear. We talked about your experience with the snake from a couple weeks ago. Um, so, yeah, my mom had a close encounter with a, with a snake. But anyway. Um, she means really close. <laughs> really close. Like it was underneath her chair on the patio, like slithering under it, like up inside the chair. No, no. It was up 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 inside by the cushion that I was sitting on. Yes. Yeah. It was very, it was very disturbing. But yeah. So anyway, um, I'll be on miscellaneous important stuff soon. And um the paperback copy or the paperback of the way it ends is available. You can go look it up on Amazon, buy a copy. Um, I just am so grateful to you guys for buying my books and, you know, supporting me and everything like that. It means the world to me. Um, so yeah, go check that out. Check out those flash fiction stories too. They're really fun. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I had a lot of fun making them. That that was kind of a different approach than I've ever taken to it before. So I'll post that on Facebook so you guys can see it. Um, But yeah, 
Follow me on Instagram at Irioki. Follow Facebook. It's the same. Facebook, there's a group of us that kind of get into spooky shenanigans online. Um, join that if you want to. And don't forget to email me your stories at Podcast at gmail.com. You got anything else? That's it. All right. Y'all stay spooky. Thank you.